Let us continue in prayer. Father, we want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness and for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your salvation. It's not that we deserve it, Lord. It's not that it was it's not that we were good enough to receive it. But it was because you deemed us lovable when we didn't know what love was. You deemed us worthy of something we had no idea what it meant. And so we ask you this morning that you'll just open up our spirits and our minds and allow us to receive you, King of Kings. You are right here amongst us. We know you're here. We just want you to know that we love you as much as you love us. We are trying to connect to you. Allow us not to leave this place the same. Transform and change us. Touch, heal and restore us in the places we need the most. Some of those places we cannot talk about. We still don't have yet courage to, to disclose or to say what we're struggling with. But we know you know everything. And because you know everything, we ask you to come please and touch, heal and restore us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, family. I know, I know, I know. Like load shedding, I came and I went. <laughs> there was not even a schedule that says I was going to go. And then I was gone. But I'm back now. I'm back now. I want to really first start by thanking everyone. I want to thank you for those who prayed with us in this difficult time of me losing my sister. Thank you that you stood in the gap and helped us through this difficult time. It was difficult. I mean, it's just two weeks ago. But I'm grateful. Oh, there's a feedback line. Terrible one. No problem. Yeah, so thank you so much. We really appreciate family. Appreciate you standing with us at a time we did not anticipate nor prepare for it, but we are grateful. So I have been saved for 24 years. That's how long I've been saved. For 24 years I've been saved. And I've been journeying with the Lord ever since. But just because I've been saved 24 years doesn't mean that I understand God. It doesn't mean that I'm in a place where I can comfortably say, this is how the Lord does things. And I, and I, have, a, and I have a feeling that most of us, we have this idea that the more years you spend with him, the more you know him better. And it's not true. There are people in this room who've been saved longer than I have been saved. And I can tell them as much as I tell myself that God is so vast, is so great that knowing him, it's like trying to understand where the sun hides at night. And you can pinpoint and say it hides there and that's why we don't feel its heat because it's hidden by God. That's why the rays don't touch us at night but the moon is apparently there. We can try to explain God, but to understand him is completely something else. So some of you are comfortable in your salvation. I get it. But the truth is, we will learn until we go. That's the truth. The truth is, <laughs> we will... We, we, <sighs> ah, thank you, Jesus. One, two. Ah, much better. 
Thank you for that. I, I need the basement. You are making me sound like, <laughs> like these Nigerian pastors I struggle with. <laughs> so, yes. So I'm saying being saved that long does not necessarily mean I understand God. It can indicate that I have a relationship with him. But relationship and understanding. And I know I'm saying this to the wrong nation. I know. I know. Because you are a nation of knowledge. Consumers of it. I know. In fact, uh, my, my mentor, leader here, is always reading. And I, and I don't want to offend him by saying it. So I'm carefully treading on this subject. Because you love knowledge so much that you read a lot. Isn't that so? Because apparently knowledge is power. But knowledge without understanding is still foolishness to God. Amen? Ah, don't worry, you'll get me. Don't worry. And so I titled this message to sound better, not to necessarily to put you in a corner. It is what it is. And I'm not saying deal with it in a sarcastic way, no. I'm saying deal with it in a sense that I want you to be able to tell yourself that this is not what I understood. I want you to be honest with yourself. Because sometimes we know things, but we don't honestly tell ourselves that I've missed that one. I thought I knew it, but now I've come to realize what I've known is not really what God meant. Amen? And so we, we spend years to understand God, and years we miss out on him, but we don't usually sit down and talk to ourselves and say, Aish, I might have been wrong on that one. Help me, Lord. And so I'm saying it is what it is, and therefore I want you to deal with it. And I'm starting off in, the, in John chapter 14. This is where I'm going to get to. John chapter 14, it's a beautiful starting verse because it tells us in the beginning, Jesus says to his disciples, do not be worried. If you believe in me, you believe in God, believe also in me, for I am going. In my Father's house, there are many mansions, and therefore I am going there to prepare a room for you. He says, let your hearts not be troubled. Don't be troubled. He's talking to them, don't be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare some for you. Now, it's quite interesting, ne? Because we want to get to how did Jesus respond. Oh, don't tell me it's not working. Yeah, there we go. It is for your sake. I want you to see what I'm talking about, just in case you think I'm making it up. I love how Thomas responds to him. He responds by saying, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus responds. He says, I am. We know it, right? We know it. This is not nothing new. You know it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What bothers me is in spending time with God, I have come to know scripture, but, and I've come to be okay without understanding it. Let me say it this way. Because of your religious background, you, not me, you, <laughs> you don't question you don't ask yourself, do I really understand this? You just take it as it is. You just say it is said in the Bible. But you don't settle yourself down and say, do I really understand what Jesus meant? Why did he say, I am the way? 
the truth and the life. Why did he not just say? Because Thomas is asking a simple question. We do not know the way. Jesus says he could have just said, I'm the way and finish. That was the right response. The correct response to the question was, I am the way. Finish and clear. But he did not say that. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, you see, now, that's where, that's where me and you, in your religious mind, say, now, nah, I get it, I understand. But do we understand what he means? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And therefore, no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, you can know me as the way and live your own life. You won't get in. Because we can know something and still not obey it. We can know something and still do our own thing just because we know what it looks like or what it sounds like or what it's saying but don't obey it. Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not enough. I am not just the way. I am not just an, an, a way to heaven. No. I am more than that. I am more than just a door to enter into. No. I am the truth. Not that I don't speak truth. I don't know truth. I am truth. I don't know the way. I don't speak of the way. I am the way. I don't know of life. I don't give life. I am life. I am life. No, no, you don't get it. You see, your religious mind is still blocking the truth. He says, I am life. You will not get in there without me in you. <laughs> you, you. You will not use me as a credit, but don't live the way I want you to. I am. You will not speak of me, and yet there is no truth in you. So if you want to get to heaven, you better know that this is, these are some of the things I am. It's quite an interesting thing that Jesus is saying this to people who just almost stoned him and rebelled to him in John 5 when he said, I am the bread of life. Now he's saying the same thing. He's saying, I am. Not the Father, I am. Now if you understand this, at least you are one, close, you are one step closer to get to heaven. But I know we know, right? I know we know, therefore there's no need for me to explain because you know. Okay, let's get to the next verse. Please help me. Now explain to me this one then. Explain to me this verse. We all know it, right? Oh, you know it. I know you know it. Do we understand it? Do we understand it? This is one of the most scary verses in the Bible for me. It's one of the verses that I wish was not written. If, if, it, if it was about my emotions, I would have loved all the beautiful verses and skipped this one. Because my issue with this one, for the longest time, I believed this verse to refer to heathens, to unsaved. But the God revealed to me that my understanding was wrong. This verse has nothing to do with heathens. It's not, nothing to do. Because why would an unsaved person say Lord? Why? Why would they call Jesus Lord? For what? Heathens don't, they never would give him credit for Lord. He's not Lord to them. 
So they will not call him Lord. When Jesus says, not everyone, now you hear that word, everyone, it's scary first. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So we first must do, we have to first find out who says Lord. Who says Lord? We do. We do. So the verse erase that thinking of his for heathens. Let's stick with me. Now, if we say, Lord, Lord, mm, he says, not all of us will say, Lord, Lord. Then he says, on that day, many, many, on that day, not few, oh, it, it scares me, not few. It says, on that day, many will say, Lord, did we not prophesy? Why would heathens prophesy in Jesus' name? Why would they even care about prophecy? Non-believers don't care about those things. Why would they prophesy in Jesus' name? Why would they cast out demons? Why would a kingdom of darkness fight against itself? They don't cast demons, heathens and, and unsaved. They possess people with demons. It is the kingdom of God that uses the religious practice of casting out demons. So they will say, we've casted out demons in your name and did many mighty works, miracles in your name. And Jesus will say, I do not know you. Maybe you don't get it. Let's go to the NLT. Maybe ESV is too much for them. Let's, let's show them in NLT. Next one. Maybe you want this different translation. This one, I like it because it says, verse 22, on judgment day. In case you didn't understand the one that says on that day. Is judgment day still coming? Excellent. <laughs> so if judgment day is coming, many will say on judgment day, Lord, we prophesy. Lord, we casted out demons. We performed many miracles in your name. We are in a year of miracles as every nation's movement church. We're believing in miracles. We are prophesying. It's, it's, it's us doing that. We are casting out demons. It's us doing that. So this scripture refers to us. And what bothers me about this scripture is these people who are talked about here, do they know that they've missed it? Are they aware that they've been living in error? No. Are they aware that they've been doing the right things but not the right way? No. Because this is judgment day. Okay, okay, okay. If it doesn't scare you, <laughs> because everything Jesus mentions here is something I want to do and I will do. I want to cast out demons, and I have casted out demons before. I want to prophesy, and I want miracles to happen. And so I am not excluded, but I fear that Jesus is saying on that day. So how did they miss it? How come no one has warned them about this? To do such great and mighty exploits for the Lord just to come to the judgment day that Jesus says to you, to me. 
your favorite person to me. Jesus says, ah, you've done. Yes, but I don't recognize you. Can you imagine how many of the, these people's followers will be disappointed? Because pastors have followers. To get to heaven and Jesus says to the leader, nah, not you. But I know, no, 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 I don't know you. It's a scary thing. And us as the church, we don't want to look at the scriptures like this. No, 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 we don't want, we don't want scriptures like this. What did these people do wrong? What did they do wrong? What did Jesus say? You who break God's law. They broke God's law. They were not sinners. They did not sin in a way that we want to. They probably were living a semi-holy life case, but they missed it. And judgment day, God says, you broke my law. Therefore, I don't know you. It scares me. It, it scares me to think that after so much prayer, so mu how much I desire to live holy for him, that there is a verse that makes that humbles me. There is a verse that makes me do introspection. There's a verse that says to me, hang on a second. You cannot be that holy and forget. You are a servant. You are serving somebody. And therefore, I need to check in. Jesus, am I still? Okay. Jesus, am I still? I don't want to be in the mindset that I am and find out later that I am not. So what is it that these people could have missed? Go for me to the next one. What did they miss? This is what we miss. Proverbs 2 verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But do we understand it? That's the problem. We know in his name, we are meant to cast out demons. We are meant to prophesy. We are meant to do many miracles. But do we understand it? I came to realize that as a new Christian, I acquired knowledge. As a new Christian, I wanted to know scripture because it was the right thing to do. I read it for knowledge. But as a maturing Christian, I've come to realize that what I know without understanding is foolishness. Now I seek understanding more than I seek knowledge because I've retained enough knowledge, but lack, I lack wisdom, which is understanding. So what is the first thing that, we, that these people could have missed? What is the first thing they could have missed in this next verse? If they've missed anything, it will start right here. Therefore, if anyone is in, what did it say? What is wrong with that scripture? What is our understanding? You see, the, the problem with the scripture is our knowledge of it. Does it say anyone who is with Christ? Does it say so? Anyone who has been with Christ, does it say so? Anyone who knows Christ, does it say so? It says anyone who is in, in Christ. The problem with us is that we seem to believe we have received Jesus and have placed him in our hearts. Can you understand the error in that? If Jesus is in your heart, how powerful is he? 
If he is in you, how powerful is he? If you are in him, how powerful are you? If Jesus is in me and I have placed him, I have packaged him and made him a mini God and put him in my heart, my very doubting heart, my troublesome, broken heart that has got issues from how I've lived and how I still choose to live. And I put Jesus in there. That very understanding is error because I seem to take this great king of kings this Lord of Lords, and I've positioned him in a place where it seems as if I have the authority, I have to give him permission to do things through me. That's where we miss it. But the truth is, if anyone is in Christ, not Christ in them, if anyone is in Christ, if you understand now the difference, if you are in the king of kings, if your life is planted in the holy of holies, if your life is in the lion of Judah, the great king of all kings, there's a difference. That means you don't have to necessarily gain power. You have it because you are in the most powerful God that exists in the universe. You are in him. You are hidden in him. If we were to get that, you'll understand therefore that you don't perform miracles. You don't. Because how could you perform miracles if you are not you, if you are in someone else? But if he is in you, you will perform miracles through him. But if you are in him, he performs miracles. Why? Because he, is, he has embodied you. You are just a vessel he is in. But the miracles come from him. Therefore, there will be no fear to perform miracles because you are not doing it. You are in him. Ugh. There comes religion. Jesus says this. If you continue to read on John 15, he says, you know the Father. Philip says, what do you mean? We don't know the Father. Show us the Father. Jesus says, the Father is in me. He says it three times in John 14. The Father is in me and I am in him. He says it. In John 15, Jesus says it seven times. If you abide in me, seven times, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. He says it ten times abide. The last three times, he says, if you abide in his love and in my love, seven times is abide in me. So he's teaching them what this life is about. This life is the other way around. It's not you, it's me in you. It's you dwelling in me. If you abide, John 15 is about that. He starts in John 14. He tells them, I'm the way. But in John 15, he explains what it means. If we stay, remain in me. He says it seven times. He says remain ten times, but in him seven times. In John 14, he says, because me and the Father are one. Do you understand the implications of that? Can you grasp the implications of that? If Jesus and the Father are one, and you are in him. No, no, you don't get it. If Jesus... <laughs> Let me put it this way. If Jesus 
was very powerful, right? Let's, let's use your, your, your mind. Jesus is the great I am, but God is I am. God is supreme and more powerful than Jesus. And Jesus says, me and him are one. I am in him. He is in me. You be in me. Do you see that the problem with lack of understanding? Do you get it? Give them the next verse. If we understand this, this will be then a reality. Paul says, in him we live. In him we move and have our being. Not him in us. Not him in us. Us in him. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our whole being. Not this way we've been thinking of it. You understand the implications of that. The implications of understanding the scripture means if I constantly tell and remind myself it is not me. If I am hidden in Christ, if, if, I've, if I've given my life to Christ, it is no longer me. Therefore, the fear of miracles, the reason God doesn't move supremely and most powerfully around us is because we have packaged God in us. We limit him with our understanding because we've made him inside of us. But if we release us into him, miracles will be a daily thing. Power, freedom will be a daily thing because we will not have to worry because we are now in the king of kings. We will not fear evil. We will not fear of being cursed. We will not run away from situations because we will not be facing situations. We will tell the situations. Unfortunately, if you had met me last year, you would have been dealing with me directly. But I'm sorry, you have dealing with the wrong person right now. Because right now, it's not me dealing. You're not dealing with me. You're dealing with the trinity of heaven. Because in Christ, the trinity dwells. In me, the trinity lives. I live in the trinity. So, yes, you can try and come. Now you understand. Scripture now starts to make sense. If God is for us, who can be against me? It starts to line up because you understand the fundamental truth. That it is you cannot contain Christ. You can't. You cannot contain him. He must be. You must be sorry. You must be in him. So scripture says. It says it many, many times. But because of religion, we hold on to those single verses that says, He is in me. I am in, he is in me. But the more we read scripture, we realize it's the other way around. Now, if Christ, if you are in Christ, that verse, Matthew 7, <laughs> it will challenge you, but you'll go back and redeem your mind. Go back to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Why? Because we have a notion of doing things for God. We have a notion to do things for him, not with him. Yes. We have a notion to pray for. I mean, it's so interesting. I've read the Bible. I have not read a place where it says, this is how you grow in faith. This is how you let your faith grow. I haven't found a verse that tells us how to grow in our faith. Now, 
I've read many verses in the Bible. There is no one. Instead, it says, if you have faith, not how to grow it. Why? Because why would you need to grow faith when you are, when you are in? You need to grow in relationship. You, you, <laughs> you need to grow in relationship. You need to connect with Christ. Grow in your love for him. Grow in your understanding of him. If you understand him, are with him, you will not need extra faith. You will not need extra faith because it will not be you performing miracles. It won't be you. You just need to get into his love. Be with him. Let him do what he's meant, what he does best. Because what he did with the apostles, he did the same things with them. The problem with us is that we know, but we don't understand. And we don't question, we don't ask for understanding. We have settled down with knowledge. We've become comfortable to quote, memorize scripture, but not asking God to help us understand it. Now, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Bible is not lying. The old is gone and behold the new. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Meaning that the miracles, the breakthroughs, the things we are struggling with, we're struggling with them because we don't have enough faith for them. Because we're thinking we need to grow in our faith. When we have a bit of faith, we boast about them because we think it's us who did them. But if we know we are in Christ, we will not be able to take any credit. How? We will know it was not us who did it. There's no place to take credit. There's no place to boast about it. There's no place to point and say, I am this, because we will know for a fact that it was him, because I am in him. In this turbulent time I was going through with the death of my sister, the Lord reminded me of this. He reminded me of this. And he said to me, let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Jesus said to the disciples, believe also in me. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Because for me and the Father are one. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And you are now in me as well. Isn't that interesting? Now I'm gonna I'm, I want to conclude with this. Yes, as a church and as Christians, we come together to perform these religious practices. There's clapping of hands, there's worshiping and there's dancing, the things we do. We read scripture, we tell ourselves, we want to tell ourselves about the scripture, but we seldomly understand that basic principle of when you are in Christ, when you are in him, then he governs. You see, when you are in him, everything therefore you do is done by him. 
everything you do is done by him. Everything you pray or you desire, you are in him. When you are feeling dry and out, it's you feeling, it's you thinking you are outside, but remind yourself you are still in. When you are tempted and pushed back by the enemy, because he will try, you have to remind yourself, yes, back in the day I would fight this on my own, but I don't need to fight anymore. That's why we need to learn to abide. You see, John 15, God, Jesus explains this life. Abide. Abide. It doesn't change the trials. It doesn't change the tribulation. He says, abide. Know that you are in me, not me in you. <laughs> know that you are in me. You see, we don't cast out demons yet in this church. We, are not, we haven't done it. That's why you are safe to be lukewarm. Yes. That's why being lukewarm makes you feel comfortable because we have not casted out demons yet. But we will. And when we do cast out demons, we will not make that announcement that foolish churches do and says if you are not saved, exit the room. We will want the demon to get into you so you can be saved also. No, no, no. The reason it's easy for us to do church is because it's easy for you to control and manage things. We like control. We like to manage. And therefore, if Christ, it's easy for you to put Christ in you and you are safe. You don't even check how the relationship is. You are saved. That's what you say, I am saved. But when you are entering into a realm of spiritual warfare, you wonder. See, if, when we engage in spiritual warfare and the demons are out there and they are they're, they're manifesting, you need to wonder now. You need to know. Because demons will tell you where you are at. The book of Acts tells us. The demons will not hide it. While we will hide it because we are human beings. Don't worry about it. But we don't need spiritual warfare to abide in love. We don't. We don't need spiritual warfare to abide in love. We need to abide in love because we've given ourselves over to Christ. We have to give all of us, everything in us, into Christ. We have to surrender our mind, our control, our everything and be in him. That's how he becomes Lord. That's what Lordship means. We have to surrender completely, honestly, without force, without manipulation, a hard decision. We have to decide from our love to love that we will give ourselves to him and understand the implication of that scripture. If we are in Christ, that means we, don't, we no longer exist. We have no control, but we have surrendered all our control unto him. Therefore, when we meet trials and tribulations, we refer the trials and tribulations to Christ because we are in him not him in us. We are in him. So Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It will be easy for you to enter heaven when you are in him. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. It will be easy for you to live for God when you are in him. And so I pray. I want to pray now. I'm closing on this prayer. I have read Romans 2, Romans 12 verse 2. I've read it. The renewing of our mind, I've read it. 
and yet I've realized I still don't understand it. Because there are still many places in me that needs renewal. There's so much hidden in God's word that I still need to understand. If you are here and you have never given Jesus that opportunity, if you are here and you've never surrendered your life in him, if you've never understood it this word, the way I've, I've come to understand it, and I'm not here to convince you, I'm here to share it with you. How you take it is your business, not mine. But if you've never given your life to Christ, or if you have given your life to him, but didn't understand, you are still in control. You still struggle with the concept of letting go. This will be an opportunity for us to pray with you. I want to pray with you. If you want to give your life to Christ, and be a new Christian, and be in him, where all your fears disappear, because you are no longer in control, but the king of kings lives in you. I want to pray for you. If you have been saved too long, you've lost your way, lost your passion, and forgotten that very basic principle, because the reason we are discouraged in our, in our, in our journey with Christ is because we forget this. I don't need to dwell in my yesterday's mistakes when I wake up this morning and his grace is sufficient for me. I don't have to. I don't have to. It's, it's, it's the renewing of this that matters. That's why Jesus never went to the Pharisees. They knew so much of the word but didn't understand a thing. The Pharisees knew. They read the Torah. They questioned him on it but they never understood it. And we are almost like that. The church today is almost like that. So if you want that prayer, please stand up and I pray with you. If you need that prayer, that renewal of your mind, that prayer, that, that's the reason why I say settle it in your own heart. It's not mine to, to judge. Thank you for those who are standing up. Settle it in your heart. You have been praying to God for extra faith. You've misunderstood that it is not extra faith you need. It's not it. It's the understanding of what it means to be a child of God. It's the understanding of what it means to be a child in God's house. Because when you are a child, those who are parents here, they know it. Your kids, you provide for them. You don't, they don't wait for food. You give. Because they are your kids. You look after them. If we are in Christ, he will look after us. He has already died for us. He has already sacrificed enough for us. He will look after us. So Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray this morning that you will renew our minds. You will help us, Holy Spirit, not to settle with the spirit of religion and be okay with the things we have learned and known but don't understand that your spirit of power of revelation will come up upon us that you will reveal your word and give us understanding of it not just knowledge that hinders the flow of the Holy Spirit no but the power that comes from understanding what it is like to be your child these people your children are standing before you right now they are asking you to please renew their minds Holy Spirit Renew the revelation, the idea they had of you before. They are saying sorry because they didn't know. 
He didn't know that when you've said in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 that my people perish because they lack knowledge. He didn't know, Lord Jesus, that they will also be part of this. But we are all here. Jesus, we are praying and asking your Holy Spirit right now that you will renew our minds and you will let us understand afresh that it is not Christ in us. We cannot package the King of Kings. We cannot, we cannot put him in a small box. He's the great I am. He's the Lion of Judah. He said in his word, all authority in heaven above and on earth below are given to me. That's why he's the King of Kings. We want now for you, Lord, to please change our perspective. Do a paradigm shift and make us know that we are now hidden in this great and mighty God. We are now hidden in him because he is the resurrection and the life. It is him that we follow. And therefore, if we are in him, we will not fear to live victoriously. We will live victoriously because we are victors. Why? Because the great I am is in us. Cleanse their minds, King of Kings. I pray that you'll wash afresh their soul, their spirit, that you will take away the spirit of timidity that is produced by believing in the flesh, but release the boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit, that comes from the knowledge that I am now in Christ. I am a new creation. I am in Christ. And I will face my problems with this knowledge. I will face my demons with this knowledge. I will face the challenges with this knowledge that I am in Christ. It is no longer I who liveth, but Christ lives in me. Teach us afresh how to worship, how to love you, how to connect with you, how to abide in your love, how to abide in you, because that's what we need the most, is to learn how to live with you, is to learn how to connect with you, is to learn how to understand this new revelation that says, I am. He is just not in me alone. I am in him. And in him is the whole trinity. Because he is in the Father. And therefore, Satan, your rule, your reign, your intimidation, we bind it and refute it and rebuke it right now in Jesus' name. And we release the glory, the joy, the love of God. The spirit that allows us to abide without fear. To abide without intimidation so that we can just be God's children. And allow him to use us as he desires. And allow him to use us without any anxiety, you know, without any fear. In Jesus' name. If there's anyone that also, Father, those who are standing up and that, that needs to receive you as the King of Kings, I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, Jesus, that you will teach them what that verse is, Second Corinthians, that they will now be in you. I pray you will plant them afresh in you. You will save them from destruction, save them from misunderstandings, and redeem them to your glory alone. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.